Uh, Austin was was good. I think it was a pretty good turnout for uh, OzCon this year. You know, pretty pretty standard stuff. I didn't I didn't hear or see any really major things that come out of OzCon this year. I think um, it's changed a lot since. uh, I think there was even the same South South by Southwest. It came and no one seemed to talk about it. <laughs> I actually missed it was even on because no one seemed to even mention it. It's kind of strange. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's it's interesting you say that because I didn't. You know, it used to be when it was in San Francisco, other things. It was very business oriented, and how are we going to make money at open source, and you know what's going to happen with the open source software. And now it's much more technical. But you know, I didn't see any like gigantic announcements come out of it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think maybe these you know things. Uh, I guess tech is everywhere now. So. <laughs> well, I think it shows, you know, I was back uh, in some microsystems when uh, we open sourced uh, Java, and that was kind of like a really big thing back then, wow. many years ago. Yeah. And, you know, people were very concerned about what's going to happen and what happens with Java, and the developers were very concerned. And now open source software has become the fabric of software, <laughs> right? It's what it, pretty much everybody yeah. uses. And um, I think there's been a titanic shift from the CIO is buying a, a, a package software then a perpetual license and install it on site to developers who are kind of in charge. They find open source packages, cobble together the ones they like and make kind of a stack that way of best of breed software. Mm. And I've seen you know, this whole shift in the way that, you know, a lot of software is being purchased now and witness, you know, HP exiting the software business. <laughs> I think is the, the biggest change there. Yeah. And, IBM exiting the hardware business. <laughs> <laughs> but IBM has always made their money on services anyway, right? I mean, what's that I guess. I think that's just what they're associated with. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> cool. So we're we waiting for someone else? or We're waiting for Jonathan Lips, who's our uh, director of open source. Uh, but I can talk to you a little bit about Sauce Labs. Uh, if that, then we can start there. Yeah, I mean, um, half the reason I um, was sort of, there's a few people who approached me about setting up interviews at OSCON, even though I wasn't, and I wasn't making it anymore, but there were, there was about five, which were companies that I knew quite well. So I sort of jumped at the opportunity to have a talk to them and yours is one of them. I mean, I've... um, I've done a lot of responsive web work and I've also do a lot of technical writing work. So I've kind of used some of your products in various capacities. So it was oh, uh, actually, even, I, I recently just finished a book on responsive web design and had to write a promotional article for it on testing responsive websites. So I did like a roundup of tools as well. So, <laughs> so give me a, oh, okay. a brief introduction to who Source Labs are and what you do. Yeah, so we are uh, really we have the world's largest cloud for uh, test Selenium and Appium testing, and so we have the only cloud today that performs web uh, uh, performs cloud testing for web and mobile applications that spans desktops, uh, emulators and simulators, and real devices. So many people are familiar with uh, Selenium, which is kind of the open source standard for, way for automated testing of, uh, of, of uh, desktop application, uh, desktop app, web applications. Uh, and what Selenium allows you to do is automate that process so you can run many tests in parallel, uh, accelerate your testing, and release your applications uh, much more quickly. And so our founders uh, uh, have, were the original uh, co-writers of the Selenium framework. 
they joined some other folks, uh, combined it with WebDriver, and kind of made this wonderful, awesome framework that now has become the de facto standard for doing automated testing. We also have Appium, which is really which is really Selenium for the mobile world. It includes all those gestures and things that are specific to mobile devices. But you you didn't you didn't create Appium, did you? Though I think I've actually met the the original creator of Appium. No, I don't know. We didn't create Appium. No, we, we have a number no. of contributors to yeah. Appium, and yeah. Jonathan Lips is the yeah. uh, head of the Appium community these days. Yeah, I think I met him at some kind of mobile conference last year. So, I think. Yeah, did you <laughs> like did, did. did you make it to mobile data <laughs> test? So that was down in um, San Diego. No, I mean I'm in Europe, so ah, it would have okay. been in Europe somewhere. Um, I can't remember, but anyway, it was. Uh, so yeah, and um, so what do you add on top? Is it just um, a, a SaaS cloud? Are you adding more on top of that? Um, what do you add on to the open source packages? Yeah, is that Jonathan? Did you join us? Yes. Hello, everyone. Sorry, I'm a bit late. Yeah, great. Yeah, we're just talking a little bit, doing some intros here on on Sauce Labs. So yeah, really on top of this, right, lots of people can do. We have a lot of uh, our, a lot of our best customers are folks that set up their own Selenium grids in house, and then they realize that maintaining the grid, doing the updates of all the software, because uh, you know Windows changes, uh, Mac OS X changes, Firefox changes, Silverlight changes, all those things happen, and that that uh, causes these tests to break. So after a period of time, they realize that they're spending an awful lot of time and resources fixing their grid rather than running tests. And so because we are true to Selenium and, and Appium, they can just change a few line, couple lines of code and point their test to us and run their tests on our grid. So, so what do we offer on top of that? Uh, we offer complete videos at every test run that makes it very easy to troubleshoot and find out where an error is, uh, along with screenshots and logs and uh, other data about the tests. And we now we've offered uh, a lot of capabilities for enterprises that are very specific to large organizations. So things like single sign-on and team management, so you can manage large groups of people, or maybe you have uh, large groups of developers that are dispersed geographically, and you want to assign certain amounts of concurrent sessions to one or other, and be able to look at kind of their testing, uh, the way they test. And on top of that, now we have uh, we've just uh, enabled uh, some some initial analytics to show trend analysis. So we're getting to the point of you know now how do you do testing more efficiently? How do you determine whether someone uh, in in one particular browser their tests don't run very well or aren't as effective as on a different type of browser? And then how do you optimize your test results and your testing uh, plans from there? You know, so we've been in this for for eight years, right? So we've had we've had a great run of this, and um, you know, we certainly are, are successful on a commercial service. But the real foundation of this is uh, Selenium and Appium, and that's where Jonathan comes in, right? Because he's been he's been fundamental to to us making sure that you know we we keep keep and drive forward you know our contributions to the open source community and stay you know at least authentic to to our kind of open source roots. Are you one of the the biggest contributors or? Um, others are, so, um, yeah, so uh, I'll just jump in on this sure. one then. I'm Jonathan, and presumably I'm speaking with Chris. Yeah. Is that right? Hey. Okay, hi. Um, so, yeah, so um, we're by far the biggest contributors to Appium, okay. uh, which is you know relatively newer than Selenium yep. And, uh, yep. for mobile testing. And have you heard of Are you familiar with it, or should I give you a. No, no, a, I mean, I am, but um, this may just go out as audio, so it's worth just mentioning those things just in case anyone listening isn't. <laughs> 
Right, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Appium is basically the extension of the Selenium WebDriver protocol for mobile testing and uh, beyond. So we've, we've got some desktop app testing available now through Appium, but it's just the same, same idea, same architecture, same uh, same test script that you can write with Selenium. You you basically just change them up a little bit, and you can run on mobile mobile apps. So we're um, Sauce has been the main contributor to Appium since the beginning. Uh, we've always run it as an open source project, of course, and have solicited contributions from all kinds of other individuals and, and companies. Um, but we still are the primary contributors to Appium, whereas that's not the case uh, today with Selenium. Um, you know, one of our founders, Jason Huggins, is considered the creator of Selenium. So we obviously have a, a have that in our history, and we've had different Selenium contributors on staff at Sauce over the years. Um, but one of uh, my goals in my new role as uh, director of open source is to try and make sure that we, we are contributing increasing amounts to the Selenium project as well and not just focusing on Appium. Do you, do you feel that maybe the, the this kind of uh, hybrid, we'll call it a hybrid model for now, but um, is one of the best ways of monetizing open source in that you you weren't necessarily an open source company first and foremost. You're kind of a SaaS company that has is leveraging open source right. to such an extent that you contribute a lot to it. But you know the the, right. the model is around the other way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I like it. To me, it's um, it's straightforward and it's honest uh, in the sense that we're not trying to make any money off of the open source projects themselves. Um, directly. I mean, so we build services around them, of course. Um, but I, I feel that we can have a very transparent and authentic relationship with those communities because what we want is for Selenium and Appium to be uh, the most successful in their category all around the world. So we can promote them, we can market them, we can be completely aligned with the interests of the community um, because we don't have sort of designs on how I don't know how to make these more enterprisey or or whatever. I mean, we've designed it uh, from the ground up to to work in a variety of environments, and then we just we want to build all of the experiences around that. So I, I think it's it's it is a hybrid model, and I think it's a a pretty good one at at this stage. Okay, and just uh, give me an idea. Like I've used similar services, but um, how how to if I want to, especially say, for example, with the, with the cross-browser and the mobile app testing, um, how does that look? Do I get like a, um, I can opt into the platforms I want to test and I kind of see it in browser or is there something a bit more to it? Right. How does that sort of process look for me? Sure. Well, there's, there's two basic ways to engage with the platform. Uh, one is manually, so you can use our, our web app to kind of point and click and, and select a platform that you want to test on. And then you can have full control of the, the mobile simulator or the browser and, and mess around with it. So that's kind of, that's not getting into automated testing, which is what I think people really uh, use on our service to be successful. So when you're talking about automated testing, um, the platform selection and um, test initiation and all of that happens in your own code. So you have a Selenium or Appium script and you, you modify the, the sort of initial section of your script to tell it, hey, I want to run on Sauce Labs and these are the platforms that I'm interested in. 
And then when your script uh, fires off, it will speak to Sauce Labs and Sauce Labs will spit up the platforms. And then you'll be able to either watch the tests running in your browser if you want to watch them simultaneous uh, to the test run itself. Or, of course, you can see videos and screenshots and logs after the fact, which is the usual case. You know, usually if you have a successful test run, you're not going and looking at any of the artifacts because it worked. Uh, it's typically when something fails that you go and you try and see what went wrong. And, and how do you handle the – do you have um, sort of racks of real devices stored away somewhere in a data center or is it something more subtler than that? Um, how are you actually running these oh, tests? Oh, we do have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's kind of our, our, newest, uh, our newest offering is kind of racks of real devices. Um, but historically, uh, we've had virtualized browsers, so fully virtualized operating systems um, that you can request, you know, anything from Windows 7 to Mac OS X endpoint mm-hmm. to whatever it is. And, um, and then our initial mobile offering was all around simulators and emulators. So, again, virtualized mobile devices um, that are cheaper and easier to, to run. Uh, and then we've added real devices recently ah, as well. Actually, so I just opened up the the press release that I think I guess was the announcement just before OSCON, and now it actually is all making a lot more sense because you acquired you acquired Test Object uh, late last year, right. who I actually <laughs> met and right. have one of their mugs. So because oh, okay. <laughs> there's a couple, oh, great. there's a couple of them. Is it a, is it a beer stein or a coffee no, mug? No, it's, it's a tea mug. Because <laughs> a couple of them are in Berlin. I met them in Berlin. Um, Right. Exactly. So yeah, so that makes a bit more sense because I have definitely encountered them and even used them in the past. So, <laughs> so now that starts to become clearer because you've uh, you've acquired <laughs> them. Okay, that would probably be like That's why they right. looked so yeah. happy last yeah. time I saw them. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so okay, yeah, and you have five hundred real devices. I mean, when when do you when do you decide a device is worth adding? And when do you decide a device is not worth having anymore for a test? Well, with with uh, with the test object product, I mean, there's a couple different um, use cases. Uh, some customers use what's called the, the public cloud, which is a sort of shared pool of devices. Um, and and for that, it's it's uh, you know I, I I would probably want to double check with the the people that are running all those calculations, but I imagine it's based on popularity and, and demand over time. Um, and then the other use case is what we call private cloud, which means that customers can basically specify the makeup of devices that they want that they need for their particular use case, and then they're the only customers that have access to those devices. So it's completely uh, up to them at that point. And I've heard stories from our test object folks of running to CD places in, in Berlin to try and find an old version of, of iOS on an old device at a good price, you know, and, and uh, so, so it can be quite hard to find some of the specific devices that customers want yeah. that they need to make an effort to do yeah. that with the private cloud. And I guess it kind of depends on the um – the yeah the the client I guess uh, if you're mainly dealing with certain parts of the world there's more common kind of mainstream devices but then if you're dealing with other parts of the world you might actually want to get your hands on some of these possibly harder to get devices in the West um, but are more common yeah yeah um, cool okay um, and um, I'd like to just go back to there we go so 
I can also see, uh, I guess this was pre-existing, you're currently supporting more than 800 browser operating system and device combinations, which I can't even imagine 800. Um, <laughs> but, right, uh, right. Well, it, it gets, uh, gets combinatorial once you've got, you know, a dozen operating systems and half a dozen browsers and all these other mobile things that they all start to combine. <laughs> do you, I mean, do you have, are there problems with, say, older versions of operating systems especially? Are there problems with getting um, the, the integration to run on them? Well, um, I mean, I will say that the people that work on our, our platform support who manage the, the virtual machine images and whatnot, uh, you know, they do an amazing job of figuring out all of those little idiosyncrasies and making sure that they can run on our platforms. And um, I'd say typically once we get something running, it stays running. And so, uh, you know, the problem of an older thing not working isn't the problem we run into as frequently as the problem of a new operating system comes out and it it, it has great problems, you know, being virtualized or getting the tools working with it and so on. But at that point, once we've got it working, it tends to tends to stay working. Um, returning a little bit to community, so I can see in well, about three weeks, June the 6th to 8th, you have your first SourceCon, um, which uh, right. and actually I suppose right. we should point out for anyone who is misunderstanding, this is Source, S-A-U-C-E, not as in sources in open source, just to, <laughs> just to clear up any confusion. Right. Yeah. Um, so I mean um, sort of community-heavy tech companies running their own conference, I guess, is, is often a sort of a, uh, a, a badge of um, a badge of progress. That's not a, a real phrase, but it'll do for now. Um, <laughs> that, that, you know, you, you sort of got to that point where you have enough people with enough questions and, and things to talk about that right. you can have a two-day event. Um, so, I mean, what, what made you feel like it was time to try something like that? I don't know. Ken, you want to take that one? Yeah. Um, I'd say we've been in around since 2008 and have about uh, what, close to 4,000 customers now. So I think you know we finally had sufficient population of customers that we felt that uh, we could combine kind of a training event because there's a first day of you know training on how to get better, more advanced training on Selenium and Appium, along with an event of a lot of customers coming and talking about how they use the products and, you know, so our product managers and other people talking about the future of where we're heading with Sauce Labs. And, and you have to have a certain customer population before you can start sure, doing these sure. things. Otherwise, they're, they're very small. Uh, and you can expect, you know, somewhere upwards of 5 to 10% of customers to come to these yep. things. So yep. it's about the right number for us to start okay. at now. And is it all um, staff speaking or do you have some people from the community speaking as well? Um, I, can, I can see you've got some customers. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, I mean... Yeah, no, we um, we opened up a call for papers and um, went through a whole process. I believe we had well over a hundred submissions, um, most of which you know were from the community at large. So we had a really good pool of talks to choose from. Cool, cool, cool. Um, all right. Uh, so you've you've uh, you've obviously had a, a probably a pretty busy six months with acquisitions and expanding data centers and organizing the first community event and things like that but um what's next 
<laughs> well, I think what we talked about a little bit in terms of, of the commercial service was, you know, uh, adding, you know, analytics capabilities and things on top of, of Sauce Labs and then really filling out the, uh, the mobile the mobile capabilities now. And the way people think about it, it's not mobile only, but people think it's mo mobile first now, right? Well, everyone asks, what are you doing for mobile testing? How do I expand mobile testing? So that's, that's on the commercial side. I'll let uh, uh, Jonathan talk about the uh, open source side. Yeah, so with the open source side, I'm, I'm uh, as the Appium uh, project lead, I'm, I'm very intimate with our roadmap, and um, basically we're looking at trying to expand the automation capabilities to new platforms. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to think about what it means to, to test IoT platforms and IoT apps, and um, does Appium have a, have a space there? Uh, we've, we've moved already into Windows and Mac desktop automation. Um, you know, Microsoft has actually partnered with the Appium project to um, distribute their automation technology for Windows apps. So this is not something that the community made. This is actually something that Microsoft uh, themselves have made. And um, so, you know, we're looking forward to continuing working with them, maybe expand to other platforms that they run on uh, or that they want their developers to be testing on, for example, Xbox or HoloLens or or what have you. Um, and then in the mobile space, you know, there's there's always new technologies coming out that we'd like to incorporate into Appium. And so we have some of those in mind to make our, our automation a little more reliable or faster, or more stable. And um, so that's kind of on the Appium side. I know with, with Selenium, uh, the big push in recent uh, months has been the completion of the W3C web driver spec. So the web driver spec is the protocol that um, Selenium is based on, and it's kind of been in the process of, of uh, standardization with the, the World Wide Web Consortium, and uh, that, that standardization process is, is almost complete, and uh, once that's done, the, the web browser vendors will all be shipping uh, their own versions of the, of the automation protocol, uh, which, will, which will mean that Selenium itself will kind of continue to be the, the client's uh, the language clients that people use to write their test scripts in, as well as the, the community and best practices and some other tools and such built around it, um, but they won't really need to maintain the automation technologies themselves. So that's kind of the end game for for the Selenium community, and it's cool to see that unfolding. Actually, I mean, you bring up an interesting point there about testing full stop, but automated testing especially of uh, yeah devices with different sorts of screens, devices with no screen, right. um, and interactions right. that may or may not be controlled by humans. Um, yeah, it's right. actually super interesting. It, it's, it's something strangely hadn't really given much thought to, and you just sparked it in my mind that, yeah, and there's so many configurations and so many parts at play. I mean, IoT is not one thing. That's that's yep. the point. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly, right. How do you yeah. test that kind of thing? Yeah, it's actually quite interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I've been thinking about it a bit. It's, it's very, as you pointed out, it's not one thing, and I'm sort of waiting to see if there are going to be a couple – platforms that at least under the hood are running uh, you know, either the same chips or the same software packages or frameworks or whatever, because then you could start to build uh, some, some automation mechanisms around those. Because uh, of course, when everything's just ad hoc, then you have to write ad hoc 
test support and automation support. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that the industry itself will start to standardize around, well, this is, if you want to do an IoT uh, product that's, that kind of has a certain array of sensors and, you know, certain basic inputs and outputs, well, here's here's a thing that you can use. And guess what? It comes with a, a web driver based automation yeah. framework. Um, so that would be that would be ideal from my perspective, um, right. but it's still. I that's the key. A lot of them won't have a web, a conventional web browser, shall we say? Uh, they right. have web protocols, right. but yeah, um, I think this, I think I think the um, I think the web driver spec has the ability to be extended beyond just uh, sort of web based activity. I mean, you might not have things like click and whatnot, but you'll still have elements, whether they are sensors or UI elements of some kind or just input and output uh, streams and you'll be able to to interact with them in one way or another. And I think what's really powerful about the web driver specification is that um, it's, it has this client server architecture so you can write libraries in any language and there's a standard set of practices for, uh, for waiting for um, situations in your device or in your app under test or whatever it is. So I think those are generalizable uh, to IoT without without any doubt. But, yeah. I mean, just so just to sort of, I think we've got a, a couple of minutes left and I must admit I'm starting to fade personally. Um, it's been a long day. <laughs> uh, um, there's obviously a few other uh, players in, in this kind of market. Um, they all offer slightly different things from each other and yourselves but what would you say would be your kind of unique selling points or your best selling points that put you above the the other players in this market right well i mean i, I think both of us should take a stab answering <laughs> this question um for me some of the things that that stand out are um I think our connection to the open source technologies is very important. I, I don't think that any of our competitors uh, contribute anywhere near as much as we do um, to Appium, certainly, and probably also to Selenium. And so I think we have a unique uh, perspective on that. We can build our cloud service in a way uh, that is finely tuned to the requirements. And we have the, uh, the our customers have. Um, a conduit through us to affecting changes in these open source projects that they rely on. So when a soft customer comes to me and says, we're experiencing this bug in Appium or this other thing, then I have the ability to go and do something about it rather than just kind of uh, throw it over the wall. Uh, then I think, of course, you know, Ken can give you our, our general product <laughs> pitch, which involves things like speed and uh, scalability, which I think is un unmatched by our competitors as well. But um, I'll let Ken talk to that. Yeah, and the only other thing I'd add on the commercial side is, is we're kind of the one-stop shop for, for all testing. So we have you know cross-browser testing, emulators and simulators where people can rapidly prototype apps and, and do that in an automated fashion. And then, as we talked about with the, with the acquisition of test object, we have uh, real devices available in public clouds as well as private clouds for kind of the ultimate okay, security okay. for testing. Yep. I think that is probably actually a big selling point, I would imagine, for a lot of people. Yeah. That's yep. Especially the regulated yeah. industries, uh, finance, healthcare, those kinds of things yeah. that, are, that are very concerned about security. And actually, that makes a tremendous amount of sense when 
the like as far as I'm aware, test object comes out of Germany, and Germany and Europe generally are very big into this. <laughs> so, so yeah, that makes kind of sense, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, um, anything else you guys want to quickly add that I haven't covered, or you're happy with with what's been covered? Um, just to say that, uh, I mean, it's a bit of old news now, but um, just to announce again that uh, Soft Labs donated Appium to the JS Foundation back in the fall. So um, we, we, you know, started the project and owned the copyright for a long time, and then at some point decided that the project had grown up enough that we really wanted it to belong formally to the community, so we, we gave it to a nonprofit, the Stewart. So I think that's interesting. Good to hear. I come from a very long open source background, so it's, <laughs> it's always nice to hear companies that kind of go down the right path. Right on.